Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's edition of Young Buffs, your Pittsburgh Pirates prospects podcast of choice. He's Corey Geiger. I'm Jeremy Pugar. And the minor league season is wrapping wrapping up. AAA is still going. They mirror the, the major league season, of course, and I think that makes a lot of sense. But with that said, Altoona finally saw their season come to an end Sunday. The regular season, they did not make the playoffs, so they made a late push. And they did finish way above 500, which is something that in the middle of July wasn't really expected in Altoona. Yeah, we're going to kind of wrap up the curve season, take a look at a whole bunch of guys here that played in Altoona. And we'll also talk about contenders and pretenders in terms of prospects and things like that. Who did well, who did not. Uh, it, it is a sad time, really, for Jared and I. We spend a lot of time um, covering the curve. I will say this, though. Uh to be playing into late into the middle or latter part of September and there's no play. That was hard. We both cover college football, man. And so <laughs> I, I flipped the switch to, uh, to Penn state football a couple weeks ago. And it's just, it's just been hard to pay attention to the minor leagues. Cause the curve, we're, we're really kind of out of it, Jerry. Right. And I mean, they, they teased a little bit. I mean, they only finished about three and a half games back. But, you know, it was a long summer. Baseball is, is a long sport. It's a grind, right? You start in, in really February and end in September, October if you're a major leaguer. September, more often than not, if you're a minor leaguer. And plus, you have a bunch of different mini camps and things like that. And the season's not necessarily over for a lot of Altoona guys. A lot of them are going to the Arizona Fall League. Uh, and deservedly so, not only because of their prospects, but because they had injuries this year that they kept them from playing on the field. Um, so there's that, too. But there are going to be camps in Bradenton um, that are coming up. So it, it, it's it's a long year. Um, and, and Altoona struggled at times. But but late in the season, manager Kyron Madison had those guys on fire. Um, and, that, and that's what happens when you're fully healthy with a lineup that, that boasts Leo Verpergero. Nick Gonzalez, Henry Davis, Matt Gorski, Malcolm Nunez, um, and <laughs> and plus Connor Scott. You can't forget about Connor Scott either. Uh, plus Andy Rodriguez. And when you have that, man, that's a fun, fun recipe for success. And you know what? You didn't even mention the first 2020 guy in curve history, Andres Alvarez. You didn't even mention the second leading home run hitter for a single season in Altoona curve history. 
Aaron Shackelford. And so that's what part, watching double A, watching the minor leagues, you have to look at the prospects, you have to, you know, pay attention and project them, what they, everybody's going to look at Andy and Henry Davis and all these guys. But at the same time, if you go watch a baseball game, if you actually go watch a game, and I think a lot of these listeners here probably did come out to Altoona to watch games. You'll know that Andres Alvarez and Aaron Shackelford were two of the biggest parts of the team. They're not really prospects, I don't, I don't think. I mean, maybe if, if something happened, they, they could get a shot. But that's what's fascinating about the minor leagues, Jared. And we're doing a, a, a Young Bucks po- a podcast, and everybody wants to know about these prospects. The curve would have sucked without Andres Alvarez and Aaron Shackelford. That's, that's the bottom line as a team. So what we talk about here, it's something that we get into a lot in, uh, in this podcast, is the organizational win. The organizational win is that the Pirates were able to get 15 different really good prospects through a double-A season, which helped, gets them one step closer to being potentially quality major league players. But I do like to throw in the and- Andres Alvarez and, and Aaron Shackelfords of the world because they may not amount to much for the Pittsburgh Pirates. And everybody wants to know about all the rest of these guys. But we watch this stuff every day. And I'm telling you, the curve would have sucked without those two guys. They came up with big hits after big hits. Now, whether or not Pirates fans care if the curves suck or not, they just want to know if Quinn Priester's getting his innings. But it is the, the fascinating dynamic of watching the team on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, I mean, they, they play their roles well. Alvarez played all over the place. Even Shackelford played all over the place in the rare you know, first base, second base outfield, you know, alignment. But, but yeah, I mean, those guys, when Davis is hurt and Gonzalez is hurt, those are the guys that you wanted up when it mattered. And Alvarez is a 2020 guy, which is very, very rare um, in Altoona or any level at this point. But he's, they both did a great job. What, what, what that means in the future, I think, remains to be seen. But role players matter, too. The prospects are, are always going to get their ups and they're always going to get their time. Right. But the role players matter just as much, if not more, than they do because they are the glue that when those guys are bouncing up and down between the levels, things happen, right? Those, those are the guys, those steady Eddie guys are the ones that, that matter a lot more over the course of the season than maybe the shirt sprint that the – that the top prospects have in, in a select city. But you and I both know nobody's listening to this to hear about Andres Alvarez and Aaron Shackelford. They want to no, know. Hey, Luis Ortiz. That's right. Luis Ortiz is, is Just legit. Kidding. We talked about that last week, Corey. You've loved you know, Luis for a long time, but they want to know about Andy Rodriguez and Henry Davis and Nick Gonzalez and Quinn Priester and Malcolm Nunez and all these other guys. And we'll get into a lot more of them in the second segment. I will say this. Uh, Jared Triolo, by the way, we, we don't mention Jared Triolo as much. Jared Triolo is a major leaguer. He can hit, fantastic glove. We need to give him more credit. Um, there are a lot of guys that came through Altoona this year, Jared, that lived up to the hype, surpassed the hype maybe with a Mike Burrows or a Lucy Ortiz kind of guy. Uh, then there are other guys like Nick Gonzalez and Henry Davis, and the bottom line is they did not live up to the hype. They did not, okay? That, that is the reality with Henry Davis. He did not. As the number one overall pick, he did not love it, live up to the expectations with the Altoona curve. Well, he missed two months with a wrist injury, and the potential is all still there. But what's going to happen is he probably needs to come back to Altoona next year for a little bit. Nick Gonzalez got off a little bit of a tough start, missed some time with the foot injury, came back, 
you know, will he have to come back to Altoona next year? We're, you know, we'll see. You know, older guy, or I mean, he's got some experience anyway. But everybody wants to know the time frame of when these guys are going to get to Pittsburgh and when they're going to be major factors. But I will say this: the, the the reality for Henry Davis and Nick Gonzalez is this was not Nick Gonzalez hit two sixty three. Uh, eight twelve OPS. That's good. I think Nick Gonzalez probably goes to AAA. Not like he was bad. He played seventy one games, but seven homers, thirty three RBIs. There's a lot more in the tank there, and there's certainly a lot more in the tank for Henry Davis, who had two oh seven with a seven oh three OPS in thirty one games. Yeah, and I think that's the the issue for those two specifically is they just couldn't stay on the field, and you know they had that middle of the season where they were both hurt and. You know, the wrist injury is tough to come back from no matter what, um, and especially as a catcher. And, and listen, Davis lined up in the outfield in the last home stand for the curve. Uh, he got some reps out there um, as well. And I mean, with this lineup, it is very hard to find playing time for everybody. Um, but at the same time, you know, developmentally, I think Gonzalez and Piguero end up at AAA. Um, I think Henry Davis does start back in Altoona next year, but again, this could all change with uh, with their performance in the in the fall league. I thought Nick Gonzalez' season was a tale of two seasons. I thought when he came back from his injury, he was a completely different player, uh, and back to the Nick Gonzalez that the Pirates fell in love with and drafted him uh, as highly as they did um, in the second half in the second half of his season. Um, I thought he played very well and he started moving him to shortstop and second base. He's got a great glove. Uh, the glove can play, the arm can play. Uh, I, I think he has the right tools, but he started getting aggressive early in the counts and hunting fastballs. And it really paid off for him, you know, in that second half of his season. Um, and, and, you know, Henry Davis, of course he ends the season last, last about of the year he gets hit, right? How fitting for him. Um, but, you know, in the, in the, glimpses that we saw of Henry Davis, we saw signs kick and hit, um, but he's got to hit consistently. And the biggest thing for him also is staying healthy. Uh, if he can stay healthy, that's a good thing. And I, I'm very interested to see how he performs in the fall league. Um, you know, gets a couple of weeks off to rest, recuperate, um, really get back to hundred percent. You know, again, it's a grind, man. 140 games is not easy. So you go through that and you get back to healthy for Henry Davis and, and see what's next to come. But, you know, for guys like that, you know, we're going to talk in the second segment here about some guys that were positives, you know, not just guys like Triolo or, or guys like Andy Rodriguez, but other guys too. So we're going to get to that here in the second segment of the young Bucks podcast on the DK Pittsburgh sports podcasting network. threats to our nation waiting around every corner adaptability is more important than ever when conditions change without notice quick strategic thinking is crucial and with obstacles consistently impending determination is essential in overcoming them it's this willingness decisiveness and resilience that sets marines apart with our fighting spirit we don't just fight battles we win them marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown and through adaptable problem solving we do just that learn more at marines.com Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. 
Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Welcome back to the Young Bucks Podcast, DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. And Corey, there's a lot that goes into a minor league season. There's ebbs and flows, and you know, to to borrow a figure of people's natural as field, roller coasters. It's a roller coaster ride. And for as good as guys like Andy Rodriguez did, there are guys that very well, very much underperformed um, throughout the course of the year. And that was still very much the case in Altoona. Yeah, and there are a lot. Of, look, there are a lot of highly touted guys here. We we knew this coming into the year. A lot of big time prospects, and Indy certainly did fantastic. And I mean, look, there's nothing other than we can say about Indy Rodriguez other than the fact that he was fantastic. So, um, other guys, you though, know, you know, we mentioned in the first segment about Henry Davis and Nick Gonzalez. Leo Piguero is an interesting fella to me. I think this was a disappointing season for for Leo Piguero. Uh, early on in the year, he got called up to the big leagues for a day. And early in the year, we were wondering if he's the shortstop of the future and not O'Neill Cruz. And I do not, I still do not believe O'Neill Cruz is the shortstop of the future. I think he's the right fielder of the future. And, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that a whole bunch during the offseason, I'm sure. But, you know, Leo Piguero was fantastic for the first month, month and a half, hitting 290. You know, one of the best hitters in the Eastern League. He ends up at 259, a 692 OPS. That, that's, that's not good enough. I mean, that, that's just not good enough. We can talk about averages and all this stuff, but. 305 on base percentage, 387 slugging, 692. Uh, and and look, uh, you you don't necessarily need great offensive play from your shortstops, but it's not like it was 40 years ago where you could have a bunch of 210 hitting shortstops as long as they were fantastic defensively. You still need some. So when, when I when I take a look at this curve season, uh, of all the guys that I I you know I, I thought. With what we saw with Leo Piguero at the beginning of the year, it was really going to work out for him. I I think that there's a bigger question mark about him than than some of these other major elite prospect guys. Yeah, I mean, I think the glove can still play. I thought he did well defensively, but hitting, you know, it's tough. I mean, this is, again, I go back to what I've heard managers say year after year after year. This is where throwers become pitchers. It's not always, you know, an easy adjustment. And listen... To go from double A to the majors is a, is a one hell of an accomplishment, but I'd be hard pressed to say that it's not a step back when you get called back down. You come back to that reality, correct? That's, yeah, that's just the nature of that's human nature, right? You get to the pinnacle of your career of your profession, and then you have to go back down. And there's a little bit of luck down. And I'm not saying that he's not. I mean, yeah. I mean, did he expect to stay up there? No, it was an emergency situation. Um, he got his cup of tea, and he got sent back down, and that's obviously expected. But, you know, for for all intents and purposes, again, you go back to that chemistry, right? We, this team has been together. You know, they were together in Greensboro for the most part last year and in Altoona for a lot of this year. Um, Piguero feeds off of Nick Gonzalez a lot, just like Nick Gonzalez feeds off of Piguero. And, Corey, you and I were probably – not probably. We were around the team more than anybody else was this season. Um, and that team was markedly different 
when Gonzalez came back and when everybody was healthy. Yeah. You know, that clubhouse that was, was a great. It was a really good. They didn't make the playoffs. Not that that is the most important thing. They were really good the second half and, and down the stretch. And let's give Kyron Madison a lot of credit. Uh, the, the manager, they were really good. One other guy I wanted to mention that we ha- probably have not talked enough about, and that's Malcolm Nunez, the guy who came over in the Quintana trade. Malcolm Nunez in uh, 29 games for Altoona. 857 OPS, five homers, 21 RBIs, 286 batting average, first baseman. That's a guy that was acquired in the middle of the season. And you think, okay, could, could he be some help at the big league level? Probably, you know, mid to latter part of next year. And I, I do think that he could be. That was a that was a good return there in that Quintana trade. Yeah, he looks good, man. He can hit. Oh, boy, can he hit. Um, corner guy, DH guy. I, I mean, I, there's got to be a position for somebody that hits. And guess what? First base is a weak spot. Um, whether you fill that with a guy like maybe Malcolm Nunez or a guy like even Henry Davis or O'Neill Cruz, you know, I'm, I'm not quite sure what they want to do yet at that first base position, but I don't think they have their answer right now for the long term. Um, Nunez, I thought came over and, and meshed well and, and, and just mashed. Um, I mean, seeing some of the balls that he hit, whoo boy. Um, you know, that's a good problem to have. And I think one of the under under uh, underrated guys is Connor Scott. He's another first round pick that they got in the Jacob Stallings trade over the offseason. You know, he played very well, um, had two home runs uh, in the same game on Saturday, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and, you know, he just played well. He didn't wow by any means, but he played solid baseball for the curve this year. Um, and that's a guy that, you know. I'm not sure where they're going to put him, but he's a guy that can make some waves, you know, coming up too. And and organizational depth is great, but you got to see what you got. Um, so I'm I'm not I wouldn't be shocked if players got called up here. You know, this comes out on Tuesday if they don't get called up later today, um, because things are going to be happening. You know, the indie season is still going for the next couple of days. So yeah, they want to see these guys get reps and they want to see what they've got because I think there's a lot of roster movement uh, coming in, in well, the Pirates are in New York at the moment. I think that's going to be the case the, the rest of the way too. But a player that we haven't talked much about that I thought was very underwhelming is Matt Frazier. Matt Frazier was the organizational prospect of the year last year. He absolutely raked in Greensboro and raked when he came down Tuna for the last part of the season. But this year, man, he was hovering around that Mendoza line the last part of the season. Yeah, Matt Frazier had a bad year. Uh, Matt Frazier really dropped off the radar. Uh, you're talking in double A, a 617 OPS. And uh, let me check because uh, the Matt was an older guy for the level. Uh, and, and let me d- make let me make sure that I, I am correct on that. So Matt's in double A uh, at uh, 24 years old. Not that that's old by any stretch. It would have never been old 10 years ago at double A, but – you know, to hit 217 in double A at 24 years old, that's not, it's, I'm not sure that Matt Fra- I, I, I'll be honest with you, I was never a big Matt Frazier guy. I, I just didn't see it. I, I've never really seen it with Matt Frazier. I thought that he had a great year last year and really kind of came on. Um, this was a very, very disappointing season for Matt Frazier. And you hate to say that, but I mean, that, that's a reality. I, I think he falls drastically in in the the eyes of the pirates after this season with i mean my god a 617 ops as a 24 year old in double a uh that's 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 not even a starter 
that that's not a guy that really even should be on the on the field a lot of days, Jared. And I want to I want to mention one guy. You mentioned Connor Scott. I love Blake Sable. Uh, Blake Sable yes. had an eight twenty OPS. Blake Sable can catch, do some other things. Uh, Fourteen homers. Uh, I think Blake Sable's a guy who will play in the major leagues. Don't know. Not saying that he's you know some gigantic difference maker, but Blake Sable is somebody we have not talked a lot about. No, and he's your he's your Luis Ortiz, right? Like me. I have mentioned um, Blake Sable a lot. I, I like because I hey fo- look, I just don't really see it as with Henry Davis as a catcher. I, I just don't. I think Indy is there. I don't think Henry Davis is the catcher of the future for the Pittsburgh Pirates. And if that is going to offend people as the number one pick, I mean, I, I just, I mean, I, if you're going to be that level of a hitter, generally speaking, I'd rather see you play somewhere where you're not going to get beat up and, and hit by a pitch, you know, well, you, you know, hit by, hit by batted balls. If you're going to hit by pitches all the time. So I do like Henry as a prospect. I just don't necessarily think he is, the catcher of the future for the Pirates. And so you got to be thinking, okay, who, who can catch? Andy Rodriguez is certainly the catcher of the future. And, and I like Blake Sable as a catcher. Yeah. And I think, and what's crazy is Blake Sable isn't, isn't a catcher by trade. He's a catcher by choice. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he wanted to play that position because outside of Henry Davis and Andy Rodriguez, there's not a lot of depth at the catcher position within the Pirates organization. Right. Right now the Pirates have, Jason DeLay uh, at the major league level. Jason DeLay was in Altoona um, this year at one point, um, and even last year. Uh, that's something against Jason DeLay. Jason DeLay is doing a phenomenal job, I think, at the major league level uh, for the role that he's playing. Um, but, yeah, Stable comes in and, and plays wherever the coaches want him to play and doesn't complain, he, and he does it well. You know, I thought he handled himself very well behind the plate. Um, and then goes up to AAA and, and, and it still is the same thing. Right. And, and, you know, that's what you need. That's what you want. Again, a, not a overly great prospect, but a role guy. And that, and that's, you know, you can have all these top picks and all these high priced guys, but the role players are just as good, if not better. And more often than not, as far as what the team needs in AAA, in AAA, Blake Sable's hitting 328 with a 1071 OPS, four homers, 12 RBIs in 17 games. And that's a 24. And that's at 24. That guy's a major league player. Yeah. He, he's a major league player. Right. He can get the job done and he has done it. Um, but you know what, Jared? This is interesting. Let's let's take a break here because I want to save this for the third, third, seven. And I want to talk about what I hate about the minor leagues. I want to what I hate about good. the minor leagues is guys don't get a chance because they're not considered that that great prospect. So let's take a break. We can wrap up with that. That's a good third second. Sounds good. We'll catch you on the flip side of this break on the Young Bucks podcast and DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. to the Young Bucks Podcast, your Pittsburgh Pirates Prospects Podcast of choice. Corey, we've talked about, we talked glowingly. Why not talk about what we don't like about Miley product in this segment, just like you suggested before the break? Well, I'm going to go back. Uh, I'm in Altoona, so shockingly, I'm going to tell an Adam Heisdu story. How about that? Uh, Adam Heisdu, a uh, cover ex- legend. Yeah, extensively in 99 and 2000, retired number here. For, former first-round pick. Didn't really work out for him as a first-round pick. 
And I, I asked him a bunch of times, you know, why? And here's what Adam said. That's, I've always taken with this with me in 20 years. He said, I'm a well guy. Okay, Jared, you got that? I'm a well guy. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? Adam, a little kooky guy sometimes. He's a real good guy, but a little kooky sometimes. I'm like, what are you talking about? What's a well guy? He said, when people go into a room to talk about me, they say, well, he can't do this. Well, he can't do that. Well, we got to worry about this. And, you know, this was a first round pick who didn't really pan out, although he did, he did have, get to the big leagues and, and have some su- success later on. But if you see what I'm getting at, when people go into a room and talk about Henry Davis, it's going to be all this glowing stuff. When people go into a room and talk about Blake Sable, it's going to be, well, he can't do this. Well, he can't do that. Jared, you coach Little League. Uh, the best players play, right? Well, it depends on who the parents are. Yeah, well, that's exactly right. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it, you know, but generally speaking in baseball, the best players are going to play until we get to this minor league weird scenario of Andres Alvarez, one of the best players on the curve. Well, Matt Frazier's got to play a lot. You know, other people got to play it. They're better prospects, all right? Blake Sable right now is a better hitter. I'm sorry, a, a, a more productive guy than Henry Davis. I'm not going to turn this into a Henry Davis bash session. I'm really not. And I'm not going to turn it into a Blake Sable love fest either. What I'm telling you is sometimes there's a guy that's just a lot better on a given day than, than a top prospect, but the top prospect is going to get every opportunity in the world. And certainly Henry Davis will is the number one pick. But in the minor leagues, there are a lot of good players that get overlooked because we got to talk about we, – we will not talk about Aaron Shackelford at all because he's not really a big leaguer. But we will talk about, you know, all the rest of these guys. And that's always bothered me about the minor leagues is it is nice to give guys credit based on what they're doing here, regardless of whether or not we think they're going to be a big league star in five years. Right. And I think, you know, it, it's weird. It, it, we talked about this quite a bit this season about development, right? Minor leagues is all about development. And, you know, some of the, you know, unsung prospects end up being some of the better players in the, in, in major league baseball, but in the NBA, if you're a lottery draft pick, you're going to start immediately. If you're a first round draft pick in the NFL, unless you're a quarterback, you're going home well, in this year, at least you're going to play right away. And, and, you know, in hockey, it's a little different unless you're Sidney Crosby or Crystal Tang or Benny Malkin or, or a top-tier goalie. But in baseball, you have four or five years more often than not to get to the to get to the pinnacle, to get to the top, right? And, and uh, the tools might be there. The physical tools aren't the hardest thing to develop. The mental tool is. The, it's the, the playing 162 games in less than 200 days. Um is the hard part. It's waking up. You're, you're never fully healthy after that first week. Right. So you have to develop that aspect of it. And the person that does that the soonest um, and the, and the sharpest, it's just going to be one of those, um, one of those deals. Right. And and that's one of the things that that makes baseball so unique. And guys like Jacob Stallings, I think is the perfect example, right? Jacob Stallings wasn't anything to write home about. He played on some, decent curved teams. He was surrounded by some pretty good prospects. And then he comes up and works at his craft and busts his ass and ends up being a big part of 
you know, of the Pirates organization. He completely changed the way that they coach catchers uh, throughout the minor league system. And and he was, I, I don't like, I didn't like the trade at the time. I still don't like it. I think he was, you know, obviously you have to go out and get a, I guess you have to go out and get draft picks if you're Ben Charrington and whatever the hell he's trying to do uh, at the major league level. But, but he's the perfect guy to mentor Henry Davis, right? You know, if you want Henry Davis to be a catcher. And so Stallings comes in and nobody knows him other than the fact that he is his dad. Is, what, is, it was Kevin Stallings. Is that right? His dad was the worst coach in pit football, in history. Pit basketball history. It was a disaster. Yeah. So, so people know him as his son, right? And then now it's like, oh, well, that's just his dad. Now, and so he came in and then he got that trade. And now he's with the Marlins and, and the, you know, the curve um, benefited from Kyle Nicholas and Connor Scott this year, both at parts of that trade. But again, guys like Jacob Stallings, you know, there's no hoopla around him, but he right. ends up being a serviceable major leaguer. I think we did. Uh, a, and a pretty good one at that. I think we did a podcast early in the summer, maybe about our, you know, some of our favorite players that, that have made it. One, mine was Josh Harrison. I just tend to root mm-hmm. for that underdog kind of guy. It's not that I root against the first round picks and in no way do I do that. Uh, but I, I, I absolutely do root for how I'll, I'll mention again. I'm going to, I'm going to have my man crush here. Like you've had on Luis Ortiz all year. Blake Sable was drafted in the 33rd round and I'll root for that guy all the time. I will root for the dude drafted in the 33rd round at any point that to me, when those guys make it, um, it, it, it all, it really reinforces to me personally, what minor league baseball should be about. Minor league baseball has become so much about all these high draft picks, but I've covered the minor leagues for almost 30 years. And I've got, I've seen hundreds of stories of what the minor leagues should be about. And that is, the Josh Harrisons of the world, the guys who make it when, when not, not everybody is thinking, you know, that they're ever going to be fully behind them. Right. I mean, you, you grow up as a kid and your goal is to be a major league baseball player. You want to be an NFL football player. You want to be in the NBA. I'm five, five. I knew the NBA wasn't an option for me. I'm five, five. I knew football wasn't an option either. And so was base. Neither was baseball, but in the MLB draft you had at the time or a long time ago, you had, so many rounds, right? And then you obviously the contraction, and and listen, this is we're just hitting the tip of the iceberg as far as the minor league changes um, over the off season. Um, you know, with players getting legitimate salaries now, and and major league teams are going to have to figure out what the hell they want to do um, because guess what? Local organizations aren't going to be able to afford the salaries um, of these players. It's going to have to come from the top. Um, and I know that's, you know, that's taking, taking from their revenue, but listen, there's enough money to be around um, without a doubt. But at the same time, you know, that's the beauty of baseball. You can be drafted in the 33rd round and still be a prominent baseball player um, in the major leagues. And, you know, you could also be Mike Trout or Shohei Otani or, you know, guys like that, that are just God's gift to the game of baseball. And it's so much fun to watch them play though. It does suck that they're on the West Coast, and we very rarely get to see them in a normal hour um, over on this side of the country. But, you know, that's the beauty of baseball, right? You know, how often does Mr. Irrelevant in the NFL play and do something important, right? Baseball, you can be a 33rd rounder 
and come in and and be dominant um and that's just the way that it goes that's you know and that's the beauty of baseball you can be a low round draft pick or or whatever and and still be that guy or you can be a top 10 pick that never amount to a single thing that's right i didn't see you see that a lot too yeah let's uh as we wrap this up i did this with john moses curb broadcaster on my radio show maybe we'll do this with triple a you know next week or in a couple weeks uh which curve player will be the best major leaguer in five years. All right. I'm, I'll let you think about it because I'm springing this on you. I didn't tell Jared I was going to ask. So which position player, which pitcher? Uh, it should be easy for you from a pitcher standpoint. I, I, know, I, I, know I know very well who I'm say. picking for that. I think everybody but, that's listening knows who I'm picking a, for that. From a position player standpoint, I think it, it would. it's pretty obvious that most of us right now, based on what we saw, would pick Andy Rodriguez as – the best major leaguer in five years. So I'll, I'll go ahead and make that pick uh, with what he did at double a um, really coming on just very, very impressive. He ends up with an 1120 OPS in 31 games, eight homers, 32 RBIs, batted 356. I think he starts back here next year for a little bit. Although if there's him and Henry Davis, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. Uh, but aside from him, cause I do think he is such an easy choice for this question. I say that the best major leaguer on, from this Altoona Curve team in five years is Nick Gonzalez. Uh, I'm going to go Nick Gonzalez. I think he's got the game. I saw enough when he came back in the second half. That I, don't, I still don't think he had a great year, but I, I'm going to go Nick Gonzalez as the best player in the big leagues from this Curve team in five years. Who are you going to go with, Jared? Well, I'm going to go with Connor Scott. I like Connor Scott. Um, he's a lefty. Throws lefty. I got a soft spot for left-handed people in my life. Um, 6'3", 200 pounds. Um, I like Connor Scott's game. I think he's got a lot of potential um, in the outfield. I think, you know, at 6'3", there's an option at, for him at, at first base, too. Um, and if you can get, you know, a guy like him, I mean, he had 247. It's 10 stolen bases, 7 homers um, this year. I, I think he's – I mean, he's a first-round pick of the, of the Marlins. Uh, out of two uh, or in uh, 2018, so you know, to me, I think there's a lot of potential there um, for him, and and I'm excited to see kind of what he's what he's got because number one, it, it goes with the Pirates picking up somebody from a different organization and having success, right? Diego Castillo, Jack Sawinski, um, David Bednar all guys from different organizations that they didn't come up through the farm system, Brian Reynolds, um, even O'Neill Cruz, uh, that didn't come up through the system, uh, or, or start in the system that have had success. So I think he fits in that. And I don't know why that is. And I think that's something that, you know, we can maybe talk about down the road, but you know, I think he's got that, that ability to take that next step. I'd expect him honestly to start, um, maybe first month in Altoona and then get called up. But also, you know, you look at kind of where the rosters are at. Uh, they've got a lot of decision to make the rule five draft. You know what? Here, let me stop real quick. J- John Moses, the curve broadcaster. He theorized that most of this curve team would be back. I would be very surprised by that. Cause that's not how the pirates have done things. They have just moved on, moved, moved guys up. But he seemed to, he, he suggested that 
maybe most of this roster is back. You know, and I, I don't know. That, that would be interesting to see because some of them did were limited in games. All right, so as we close up, so we only got a couple minutes here, Jared. Uh, your, your your best pitcher from this curve roster in the big leagues in five years would be what, what's what's the guy's name? Uh, Ortiz. Luis Ortiz. Luis Ortiz. Although. I will give you a reliever who I think is somebody to watch out for. And I think that's Colin Selby. Um, I like his stuff. He's got some good movement. Um, he's got a couple of plus pitches, um, but from the, from as a reliever, I think he's going to be pretty good. I'm going to go with uh, Quinn Priester. I really liked Mike Burroughs from the beginning of the year, but uh, I quit Quinn Priester to me is a frontline top of the rotation guy. Uh, down the road at the big league level. We'll see if Mitch Keller can continue to develop, if Luis Ortiz can keep throwing 100, and and we'll see about Mike Burroughs. But I, I, I love Quinn Priester. I think he's a guy, the makeup, everything that you want to see about a minor leaguer, I think he does very well. He's very, very uh, cognizant out on the mound of what he wants to do, very aware, uh, high IQ. So, uh, terrific year in Altoona. He ends up going uh, four and four, but with a 287 ERA, uh, far fewer hits than innings pitched, and 75 strikeouts in 75 innings. So I'm going to go with him as my as my uh, top pitcher in five years. And the biggest thing I want to see from him is a full year, man. I, I think that'll be exciting too. But 20, all right, 20, since, 21 years old. Let me add that. 21 years yeah. old. So all right, you threw something at me without telling me and prompting me. So who's the player you want to see the most? that's not on the curve for next year. Um, that's an interesting question. I would really have to dissect a roster here. L- l- I'm going to cheat. I'm going to cheat. And since you gave me no warning of this and, and say the one guy that I think I want to see back that really needs to be back. And that's Leo Verpigero. I think he needs I, – I am probably wrong about this. I just did not see enough from him to be so. I think he needs more time in double-A. And 10 years ago, Jared, he absolutely would have been back in double-A. I don't think he's earned enough to get to triple-A. But that's not the way things work uh, a lot of t- times with the Pirates now. But I, I do. I would like to see him back. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, but I think ultimately they're going to keep him and Gonzalez together. I would agree with that. Um, a guy that I want to see more of is I want to see Bubba Chandler, man. I'm excited to see it. Um, You're losing that bet. Is he still pitching and hitting? I don't I don't even – I haven't even kept – Is He, he still was doing at the end of the year. Um, I, I think he's going to be in Greensboro for most of the year, depending on the amount of success that he we, has. We bet but, like two months ago whether he'd be pitching and hitting in double-A. You're going to owe me lunch here. You're going you to owe me dinner from, uh, from our – Nitty Lions bets. What did I lose? Um, did I lose a did I lose a We Are podcast bet to you? Purdue. I owe you dinner because I picked Purdue. You picked Penn State. Pretty sure. Now, didn't I win something earlier in the year? Are we even? I think we're even. Yeah, at this point. All right. So we still got a long way to go. It all it all hinges on whether Bubba Chandler will be pitching and hitting in Double A. I say there's there's no way. Uh, I, I say there's no chance for that. You, but you seem to think that's going to be the case. I just want to see him play. I, I, I want to see, see what yeah. he's got. Um, yeah. And I want to see them make that decision. If he does focus on one part, what it is and why. Um, I think there's a lot of intrigue there. 
Um, but it'll be interesting to see how that goes. It'll be as a pitcher. You, you know, it's going to be as a pitcher, right? I mean, yes. every, everything I oh, absolutely heard is that the, the upside is so much higher. And Bradenton, he's, he's still hitting 184 in 38 and 32 games. So not the batting average is the his OPS is 574. Jared, I I think the I think the hitting thing is really got to come to an end probably pretty soon. Hey, listen, we'll see what happens, and that's why they play the game, right? We just have no idea how things are going to play out, and that's the beauty of baseball and the beauty of minor league baseball. So as the regular season wraps up for Altoona and Greensboro and Bradenton and everybody else except for Indy. We thank you as always for listening to the Young Bucks podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. We'll catch you again next week when we talk about a little bit more of the AAA team for the Pittsburgh Pirates organization. Mm-hmm.